Podlita. My goodness me. Oh, we'll get there. Private panel. I'm unsexualized. Hey, if you want to wear that top, it's good. It's brown. Where are the bobbleheads? Hello, everyone, and welcome to What's That? A bonus episode or two of Pod Leadum, <laughs> which is top model podcast spelled backwards. What? <laughs> I'm JW Crump, and nobody even does the duck face anymore. I'm Alexander Price and Jade Garden, the Big Wong, Low Hung Cock. OMG, they're next to each other. And I'm Hannah Jean Ginsburg and Pablo couldn't make sense of all those zeros. He was bad at math. <laughs> How dare you steal my identity, Pablo? <laughs> and normally we say, here's, we're of course talking about episode blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I don't feel like I could say of course, because you know what we're talking about? Not an episode of America's Next Top Model, but this, oh, no. this episode is all about Jay Manuel's debut novel, The Wig, The Bitch, and The Meltdown. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. And we've created basically a top 20 list of, let's call them the most bizarre things <laughs> <laughs> in a book that can easily be described as a fever dream. Yeah, I had to ask myself, is my prep acting up? Am I, did I just dream <laughs> reading this book? Is this a book that melatonin sponsors? <laughs> because Y'all, to narrow it down to 20 was a challenge. It's true. Things needed to get collated. <laughs> yeah, we. I thought, I was like, I'm going to make a Google Doc. I'll share it with Alexander and Hannah. We'll come to this very easily. And literally for the last 30 minutes, we've been like, how do we take it from 54 <laughs> to 20? Because <laughs> there's something on every page. There's something on every page. Yes. That's what my highlighting says. <laughs> <laughs> It's like when you're one of those students who, to study, just highlights every sentence exactly. until the book is completely highlighted. You leave out the ands. <laughs> okay, so we're going to get into the top 20, and I cannot wait because I feel like ever since I read this book, I've been busting at the seams to actually discuss it. And the three of us really haven't discussed it that much no. except for a text thread where every so often we'll just say, like, page 253 or whatever. Yeah, that was also a fun experiment that I've never done before was in a text chain where we were all at different points of the book. Yeah, <laughs> and we did it. similar but different. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure, uh, and this leads into topic one, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one that was at home reading this who just in an empty apartment was like, what? Huh? <laughs> ah! Well, was Alexander and I also had to have a separate text thread because JW was the only one who was good and got like the actual book. Alexander and I both got the ebook. So we just received it earlier and thus can start reading it earlier. <laughs> oh my God, it's so funny. And there was one night I absolutely stayed up reading it just to catch up to where I thought the two of y'all were because I was like, I can't have this in my life. But before we get into it, we want to celebrate a couple of our fans and also just kind of tell you. Mm. So you probably heard some of our anchor.fm ads. That is also like just a way that it's getting us a little bit more money because hosting and buying these books and doing all these other things cost money. But we also have the ability for our listeners, if you want to, absolutely no pressure. No, We're not going to put up a paywall. These episodes are still going to be coming out for free for you. Mm. But if you want to... Um, you can become a monthly like patron via anchor.fm. We've got the link to that in our Thorpe Inc. 
Instagram. That's T-H-W-O-R-P-I-N-C. Yeah. And it's also in the show notes of like yes. every single episode. And we already, without even announcing it, had three supporters, um, Jennifer, Jessica, and Molly, which I also love because of those are all the names of top model contestants. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but not Jennifer. No, no. no. Jennifer spelled... Um, like the, a person? Uh, like a... <laughs> Like the way Jennifer is spelled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, uh, thank you so much. You can do it for as, if you want to. It, it'd be super cool. Again, no pressure. You can do it for as little as 99 cents a month. It, it just really helps us continue to do this. Yeah. Truly. Especially bonus episodes like this that cost a little extra scratch, you know? Yeah. All right. Premium because eventually content. we got to buy Smize Cream. Woo! <laughs> Smize Cream. We also need you all to fund our tickets if we if Model Land ever opens. That's truly what this is. None of this money <laughs> yeah. is going to go to anything. It's a long-running just... <laughs> Model Land fund. <laughs> One might call it a con. That we've been, the whole podcast, the whole podcast has been a long con <laughs> towards Model Land. Speaking of a long con... Ooh. Let's talk about this book. <laughs> Here's topic number one. What's real? <laughs> what? Is this real? Is life real? Oh my God. What is real in this book? So what's the, what's the word? What's the phrase that you, we just discussed? The type of novel it is? Oh, you mean a uh, Romana Clef? Mm. going to be my drag king persona one day. Romana Clef. Yes. Uh, Romana Clef Chin. Oh! <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but it's a book that's real facts, but invented names essentially like an autobiography masquerading as a fiction it's the it's uh where the phrase thinly veiled gets used the most mm-hmm. because you'll never truly be able to figure out when jay manuel is going to call someone by their real name mm-hmm. or when they're going to come up with a fictionalized version i put that in heavy quotes mm-hmm. for a character <laughs> basically by just changing their names and sometimes like a hair color yeah jay manuel like today's modern woman wanted to have it all <laughs> so he set himself up this writing experiment where he could really come for people and then also say but i'm not actually talking about them y'all you should cash entire banks are not the same person but even though literally Almost every single detail, (laughs) every single detail is the same about most of these characters, except every so often they'll also do something super criminal, (laughs) which is why he changed the name. How could you possibly think that Sasha Berenson and Janice Dickinson are the same person? Okay, okay, okay. Before we do this, (laughs) uh, obviously this episode and the next are going to be so spoilers. If you want to read the book, read the book. If you don't care, you'll get, you know, details about this. A quick plot summary. This fake Jay Manuel meets this fake Tyra Banks. They start a friendship that evolves into a, a modeling competition show. And it then goes off the rails. But is also successful. But is also a nightmare. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the main character is a Pablo Michaels. And every single detail about Pablo is Jay, right yes. down to hey, uh, hair color, backstory, birth name. Everything. Yeah, exactly. Aspirations. So let's go over some of these. Now, you might ask yourself, mm-hmm. well, obviously, this can't take place in a universe where America's Next Top Model exists. But Alexander, why would you think that? Because that would be a, a normal <laughs> thing to do? Uh, intellectual property <laughs> infringement case? You would think that. 
But no, America's Next Top Model has been ha- going on for years because this book takes place in 2020. And they specify that. They specify that it's 2020 more than once. Also, not only America's Next Top Model, but also The Face gets a shout out at one point. Yep. Mm-hmm. Project Runway. Mm-hmm. What else? Cops. And also it's fake show, <laughs> Officers with a Z. <laughs> and again, to be clear, cops and officers both exist in this universe so again sometimes something like model muse by the way model muse is the name of the fake reality show that's not america's next top model because america's next top model exists in this universe but model muse is literally beat for beat america's next top model in a way that if this happened in real life i thought about this i was like if this happened in real life and a show came out right now that did what model muse is trying to do Tyra Banks would sue them yes. for everything they're worth and, and be right win. to do so. Yes. yes. Win. I really think the person who could best describe what this is like is Jay Manuel, <laughs> because the quote that begins this book is from Jay Manuel. He quotes himself to start us mm. off on this journey, saying, The world of reality TV, capitalized, is not real, and yet reality television has morphed into reality. I've worked in this world of smoke and mirrors, and when the smoke dissipates, the mirror reflects the truth. How deep? And basically... You you know when you're walking around your smoky mirrors, (laughs) and eventually (laughs) that smoke goes away? When the smoke clears, there the mirror is. There's Anshul in a disco gold dress. Everything in this book has, like, a real-world mirror. Yeah, we've got our judging (laughs) panel, right? We've got Sasha Berenson... A the world's highest paid supermodel and Super also alcoholic and plastic surgery victim. Mm-hmm. We've got Mason Hughes, noted British photographer with blonde short hair. <laughs> yeah, that description physically wise, Mason is the most different from the real life counterpart of Nigel. Yeah. Yes. And then we've got Miss Thing is Keisha's Keisha's runway coach. Mm-hmm. Gave her her Who walk. Literally, is Miss J. <laughs> I'm shocked. I would be shocked and awed if at one point Miss J is not referred to as Miss Thing in Top Model. Proper. Oh, they always J. Manuel always calls him Miss Thing on the show. But again, theoretically, since America's Next Top Model exists, Janice, Nigel, and Miss J also exist in this universe. You know the interesting thing, and I, I did point this out in our text thread unless i totally missed it and correct me if i'm wrong they never actually drop tyra banks by name no which is fascinating naomi first name only does get dropped as a threat to keisha so does ashley graham and y'all ashley graham is a is a judge on top model (laughs) i'm surprised rita ora didn't get like a weirdo shout out i was gonna say (laughs) that bitch rita ora who tried to steal model muse from keisha cash (laughs) Oh, gosh. I mean, it takes place in 2020, but it's so tenuous because apparently he also just discovered Hashtag. And he's a 30-year-old adult who does Hashtag Fingers, and that's his thing. Except when he's too upset to do Hashtag Fingers. I will say the one 
biggest difference if you're gonna give model muse and america's next top model a little bit of a distinctive thing because the book tries to sell you on how model muse is different even though more recent cycles of america's next top model kind of balk at this is that they really seem to be only taking their top their model oh lord their model muse contestants (laughs) from instagram like they made that a big deal that they were trying to take the instagram model and make her a supermodel Yes. Or a model muse. You mean you Sandra. Were. Sandra from the most recent That's what I'm cycle. saying, but we have Sandra who <laughs> is this concept, essentially. <laughs> oh, and also the crew has... The crew is also. So Ken Mock is... John, John Vong. Now he's Korean instead of Chinese. Such and a difference. Jay Manuel hates him. There are... I mean, if you had to assume from reading this book, you would assume that Jay Manuel hates everyone. Yes. In the world. Yes. That he's ever met, except for Coco Rocha. Except for some of the top model contestants themselves. And and Sutan. Sure. Yeah, Raja gets a quick call out. As Raja, not even as Sutan. No, and also Warren Tricomi also gets a shout out. He hates no one as much as he hates Ken Mock. This, like, if I was Ken Mock reading this, first of all, almost everyone who reads this who has a real-life counterpart should basically be insulted. Yes. Um, if not, like... Sue for libel. Secondly, <laughs> but like if I was, Jim, uh, who knows what Ken Mock did, but if I was like Ken Mock, I'd be like, I'd call Jay Manuel up and be like, the fuck, bro? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, but even smaller people that we know of because we've talked about them, but like Michelle Mock Falcon, she has a counterpart, Luciana. Luciana. But, but then, okay, this isn't really what is real, but also I just have to point out, we get a character... With the weirdest name I have ever read and still struggle to sound out in my mouth. Okay, he's a network executive and his name is Bryce. So Bryce with an O slapped in the middle of it. Or Royce with a B on the front. Either either flavor. Bryce? <laughs> Bryce was the name? Who were you who were you hiding? That's the weirdest thing. I don't know if there's a like a one-to-one. I don't feel like they have a counterpart because Bryce is one of the few people that Jay Manuel likes. And I don't think Jay Manuel can write about a real person without oh, hating them. And he, <laughs> he really likes Bryce. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I just assumed he was Jim DeYonker. I mean, <laughs> Jim DeYonker doesn't get a counterpart, which is the worst part of the book. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. Oh, uh, all right. Let's go to number two. Cause we'll keep talking about what's oh, real. Yeah. Uh, number two, you know, what Jay also hates, fat people. Fats. Oh my God. Fat shaming is our number two bizarre thing. <laughs> and he, like, this is once again, like the modern woman having it all. The people in the book who fat shame are bad people. Yes. But the book fat shames more than any one character ever could. Yeah. And in, in a way that seems like he doesn't even realize he's doing it. Yes. Yeah, because he's just being, like, real or something. The way he talks about Keisha Cash, I could not tell you how large or small Keisha Cash is because she goes everything from, like, a heifer to a real-size model. Well, she's always 5'11", right? Yes. The height does not change. No. It Worse than that is how they treat what seems to be a Cycle 10 Whitney counterpart in mm-hmm. Beth. 
because there's a season of the show. By the way, they never say cycle, which is fascinating to me. Season of the show where the whole deal is that Keisha has decided they're going to have their first plus size winner. Sound familiar? And <laughs> it's, it's a woman named Beth who's just the worst model ever. And she's constantly eating. And she's only interested in the buffet. And here's what literally happens to Beth. Here's what literally happens to Beth. Oh my she God. fries oysters for the first time on camera goes into anaphylactic shock and alexander's going to talk about his favorite character i know in just a <laughs> second but she then we find out in the hospital is probably going to lose her foot not her foot her full leg mm-hmm. oh god that's right oh. her full leg she's just because so she was a fatty fat. fatty fat yes fat. <laughs> the fact she's so fat she couldn't stop herself from eating more and more oysters that they're gonna have to the only way to fix her is to remove a limb it's bizarre. And also every time Pablo, who we never actually like hear about working out, which is so funny because there's so many other useless details in this book. Yep. There's so many moments where Pablo's like, I looked at myself in the mirror and I really liked what I saw, like all this Constant. other stuff. But his best friend, De La Renta, oh. who we'll talk about, I'm sure more in a little bit. There's this whole scene in a diner where Pablo's like, I'm eating healthy. And De La Renta just keeps ordering bacon and putting extra salt on it and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I'm begging him to eat healthy. And we're like, oh my God, this book's relationship to food is so we Anything that isn't oats or kombucha. Or, is- pop- or popcorn, because he also fashion. he thinks of himself as an Olivia Pope type character. Yes. <laughs> who eats popcorn and erroneously drinks white wine. Not red wine like Olivia Pope. White wine. But any other food is automatically disgusting. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And also we have a very specific metaphor of sadness equals ice cream. <laughs> or ribs. Anxiety equals ribs. Mm, true. Yes. True. Mm-hmm. Virgil's plays a weirdly big role in this book. Oh my God. It's, they should you know be how paid. in rom-coms where New York is the third character? <laughs> <laughs> That's Vir- Virgil's in this book. Weirdly, Virgil's is mostly complimented. Like, yeah, yeah. they say one or two times, like, we could never do a photo shoot here, even though Keisha would love that. I would just like, <laughs> Virgil sounds good. I could go for some Virgil's ribs. is good. I think... <laughs> I think also furthering this fat shaming thing is he uses the joke, and I use that heavily quoted mm-hmm. joke literally and figuratively over and over in this book. Oh, you mm-hmm. mean the phrase literally the, and figuratively? Literally and figuratively. It's like she's such a huge star, literally and figuratively. Like, yeah, we get it. At points when you don't need it. No. It's so, I've never seen, and here's the thing, Jay Manuel in real life seems like a perfectly athletically built, but like pretty average sized person. And it was a little surprising that like, I I would expect maybe someone who has low self-esteem and maybe like a super ripped body and that's all they care about to maybe fat shame to the degree. And I'm not saying all people who are ripped and whatever do that. I'm absolutely not saying that. I'm just saying it was kind of unexpected. It felt like it was out of nowhere for Jay Manuel as an author to like write so much fat shaming. And we also, it's less in the book, but we get so much, not only fat shaming, transphobia, racism, like can't every other everyone is oh we're going to get to it's this book's relationship with race yeah <sighs> but the, every especially transphobia or non-binary uh phobia i mm-hmm. guess you might say 
um, non-cisgendered people get yeah. roughshod in this book. I mean, yeah. there's one point where they're like talking about Miss Thing and they're like, he, she, I don't know, they, whatever. And I'm like, why did you write that? And it was by a character that wasn't bad. Yeah, it was by a character who up until then had been portrayed very good, knowledgeable, moral, etc. So it almost, it was almost worse because it, instead of coming from one of the bad characters, they'd be like, oh, that's a bad character doing clearly a bad transphobic thing. It came from a character you're, I think is a reader we're supposed to really like. Yeah. This book's relationship to its own characters, though... <laughs> You can't you can't see me, the people listening to this, but I'm like dragging my eyeballs out of my face. It looks like you're clawing your eyeballs out, being like, I'll never read again. <laughs> because the the book's relationship to its own characters is constantly shifting. So you think that someone is a person who operates like a person, and then the book decides that they're evil. Fully evil. Sometimes truly out of nowhere. Just, you know, overweight and thus pitiable Bad. and laughable. Yeah, it's it is impossible to track at any given moment how anyone is supposed to feel about anybody in a human way, including you. So let's move on to number three, which is another bizarre what's real, what's not, because yeah. Jay, as an author, will lift direct, recognizable quotes from top models' history, but put them in the mouths of other characters sometimes. For example, De La Renta one time says Robin's quote about nudity, which, but it's not about nudity in the book, but it's no nope. quote of my grandmother used to always say, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And I'm just like, that's so famous. You know who should really sue this book? Robin. Robin. <laughs> Do it. I'm ready. <laughs> oh my gosh. We also have the way they describe contestants, like you're getting Rosemary's baby or like, and then we look at you, Nicole. And we say, can she be a model? Like, we're, we get full quotes from, lifted from the show. Yeah. And again, we're saying this in the world of Model Muse is doing this. But again, Model Muse knows that America's Next Top Model exists. It's the, it's the most odd choice to make. And if they did it like, if he did it like once as like a fun Easter egg for super yeah. fans, that's fine. That's cute. That's whatever. But it's constant. It's whenever he doesn't know what to say. He'll put in like a weird quote. Reference. But then there are some moments that are recreated <laughs> without using any direct quotes. You mean the titular meltdown? Well, how can you tell which one is the titular one? <laughs> there are so many meltdowns. And I'm going to say... I'm going to say the meltdowns are probably the best parts of the book. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the end one. Oh, my Lord. Because, of course, the most famous moment in top model history has to be recreated, which is Tyra yelling at Tiffany or here, Keisha yelling at Nicole. N you mean Nick Hole? Nick Hole, which, hey, points for spelling. <laughs> that would happen on the show. Stop talking, Keisha screams. When I speak, you listen. Everybody listens. How dare you challenge me? You were nothing before you came here. You think you're better than all the other girls who fought like hell to get here? You're nothing, a no one, and you're done. You can leave now. Go back to Grandmama's house and sleep on that ratty-ass mattress with your brother Davy and his club foot. Club foot? See? Wildly adding some extra details. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, Nicole yelled. Be quiet, Keisha shrieked as we all know famously happened. You know what's wrong with you? You don't have what I have. We thought you had what it takes, and I actually wanted you to win. 
supermodels have to be strong, swallow whatever's done to them and come out on top. You couldn't do that. And you just proved to us that you don't have what it takes. If I went around feeling sorry for myself, I wouldn't be where I am today. Learn from this. Uh, <laughs> and you know, he just had to sneak a fat thing in there too at the yep, same time. Swallow. It is so close. It's the Kmart version of what actually <laughs> happened. And also just for a little bit of context for someone who hasn't read the book, he's the reason that Keisha Cash is yelling at Nicole is very different. Oh yes. my God. The reason oh that my God. Ira yelled at Tiffany. Because Nicole's mother died of cancer and then Keisha yells at her. Essentially, because he creates this Nicole, which I assume is, she's like, we'll get into the contestants a little bit more, but essentially for this moment, Nicole is doing and saying all the right things and Keisha can't stand it. And I think it's a little bit of commentary of Jay being like, Tiffany said all the right things. Mm-hmm. Right. And history did not serve that well, but Tyra was in the wrong. Which again, why wasn't this just a tell-all book? Why wasn't this just a tell-all book? I don't, I don't understand. I don't get it. I really, I don't know what relationships he was worried about ruining because it's not like they won't be ruined if they read the book. You know what they truly should have done? I'm going to pitch it right now. I, that you know that SNL like history that interviewed all the everyone who's ever been on SNL mm, and it's yes. like an oral history ladies who punch the one for the view where it was the oral history they mm-hmm. absolutely could have done that with America's next top yes. model honestly Tyra would have probably been a part of that like there's so many contestants so many yeah. iconic judges that mm-hmm. it, that could have been this and Jay could have even been the one to put it together well he puts everything together so he would <sighs> Get ready. <laughs> okay. Are we ready to move on to the next thing? I'm ready to move so. on to number four. I think okay. so. This book contains so many bizarre specifics. And that is the weird thing number four in this book. The first thing that I truly laughed out loud at <laughs> and sent a text about was early in the book, Pablo has just met Keisha Cash. They're in the car together. She wants food. Of course. (laughs) And he pops into Seamless. I'm okay with a reference to Seamless. It's become the Xerox of of a thing. That's ordering food. He says, I type in the supermodels. I can't believe I'm typing in the supermodels address into my Seamless account. I finish the order and then pay with Apple Pay. (laughs) Why mention Apple Pay? It never comes up again. No. No. Is it a bid for sponsorship? In in the eventual lifetime adaptation of this book, is it a bid for sponsorships? I have a theory. I have a theory about this. Conspiracy theory? Conspiracy theory. Book conspiracy theory. I believe that Jay Manuel wrote this with everyone's real names and with like brands' real names and shows' real names and people's real names and then did a control F search and replace for that and some of them slipped through because on one hand we have things like bling h2o the water that the only water keisha will drink yeah but then we have haagen and apple pay and mavis beacon Mavis beacon. First of all, i will mavis always love a shout out to beacon. mavis beacon <laughs> teach me typing mama <laughs> But, like, it it feels like some things he just forgot he wrote. I mean, if this whole book had been forgotten by him the instant it finished. I mean, I also think this was two books, like, two drafts that he just 
mushed together. But bizarre. I'm talking. We're talking. Number four is all about these odd specifics because, especially when we get into him decorating his <gasps> brand new wealthy apartment, it's just a yes. list of brand names. It's just. It kind of feels like so much of this book is fantasy fulfillment, and yes. these brands are what is the author's fantasy. Yes. One page literally has. Philippe Stark, the Sanderson Hotel, Bang and Olafson, Siri, Eames Executive Chair, all in one page. And then a fake Tom Cruise movie called Oblivion. The fake Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> why? And that's again, why are some things that are still so specifically referenced, well, like you'll he, reference Tom Cruise, but you won't reference a real movie? You'll reference, but then you'll, but you'll reference real movies like. Babes in Arms. Babes in Arms and Mutiny on the Bounty. Babes in Arms. And the Matrix. (laughs) Don't forget the Matrix. Babes in Arms is this weird motif throughout the whole book that is supposed to be analogous to the relationship of Keisha Cash and Pablo Michaels, which... And the third. And the rotating third person. Ugh. It's so funny, but I love the bizarre specifics because it almost feels like it's that, like, first-time author thing of, well, I'll make it real. I'll make it natural. I won't just say I paid the seamless. I'll say I paid it with Apple Pay because that's what real folks do. Like, that's what it feels like to me. As as I've mentioned many times, I read a lot of romance novels, which vary wildly in quality because I just love them all. Mm-hmm. And there's this thing that a lot of romance novelists do now where they mention specific songs in their books and then, like, put together a playlist that you can go access. Oh, Oh, yeah. And I've, it feels very that. It's like how to live a J. Manuel lifestyle. These brands. I would be shocked if... I, I actually think it's a real missed opportunity that J. Manuel didn't come out with Keisha Cash's fake Girls Are the World yes. single. You mean, but not, not only Girls Are the World, the single, the Beyonce ripoff, but also... And this goes into another thing. But the style guide for this book was non-existent. The capitalization <laughs> of, of terms that would be all capitalized or the way text messages are rendered in oh this book. It's my favorite. <laughs> it's crazy. To show a text message, what they do is they show, they'll say like Pablo text, meaning it's from Pablo, bold and underlined, and put a colon after Pablo text, and then just write out the text. It's both efficient and lazy. It's great. <laughs> just, it's also very much like an older person doing youthy things. Well, that's like another point. Like when your point. aunt signs her Facebook posts. Also, none of the texts read like text messages. They're all emails. Because they're, they're all, yeah, they're full sentences. <laughs> they're all emails. With smiley faces sometimes in them. Like, he'll speak in, yeah, he'll speak in hashtags, but... The the it's the most professional text you'll ever read. Okay. That's where punctuation comes is fine. Yes. And Num- speaking of professionals, oh, yes, <laughs> thank you. Perfect transition to number five. Let's talk all things Harper. Harper Fibs is the only efficient, effective person on the entire <laughs> set of Model Muse, okay. and is getting constantly read for it by Pablo Michaels. Yeah. So- Harper's introduced kind of later in the book. Yeah. And like, I don't know why we needed the character, but I'm so glad it was bestowed upon us. Her full name is Harper Fibs, and she is fat and unfashionable. And very specifically, repeatedly, 
how that's described is loose jeans, fanny pack. That's how you know that Harper just ain't it. Loose jeans. Even when she's doing something good, it, she'll be like, this is a non-specific example. It'd be like, Harper just saved the day. If only she wasn't wearing those loose jeans and fanny pack. And you'd be like, <laughs> why can't you give her this moment in your own mind? There is a whole extensive plot point that revolves around Pablo Michaels making a photo shoot happen. Yes. That it is originally Harper Fibbs's idea. It, oh, literally. And he even acknowledges that a little bit. He does. The car- Pablo Michaels makes fun of her for having this idea. Yes. And then it becomes the thing that saves the Model Muse television show. It and literally becomes she- an entire episode that they film in the Model Muse lexicon. But Harper's jeans are so ill-fitted. If only she had a belt. <laughs> she does. It's on that fanny pack. I don't know why. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's supposed to be like, okay, first of all, Harper's role is like, she basically is supposed to be like new Jay, right? Like that's yeah. kind of the idea. And Jay is really good friends with like supervising producer. I think that's her title, Rachel. Rachel Simpleton. Is that her last name? It sure is. Yes. Y'all. Yes, it, it is. I need to I need to burst past that for a second, but I would <laughs> love to return. So so Harper is introduced and she's perky and she screeches, which Pablo hates, hates screeching women. from women. And but she's excellent at her job to the point that Rachel and Pablo both together and separately acknowledge multiple times wow Harper's really going to be something one day she's great she knows how to do it she knows how to lie but get away with it she knows how to be like friendly to everyone even Keisha acknowledges that she likes Harper by like she gives talking- good back rubs too oh my god but all, but all because she doesn't have an eye for fashion Harper is treated like it's truly one of the most sexist things I've ever read. I, okay, direct quote from the book about Harper. Harper was a fashion train wreck who wore saggy jeans that fell halfway down her butt, ugly sneakers, and a nylon fanny pack that solidified her spot as the least fashionable person on the crew after Joe Vong. But no one cared how she dressed because she was the kind of person who never seemed to have a bad day and never said anything nasty about anyone, which said a lot in their business. Getting a warm hug from her on your bad day was enough to change anyone's move. She gave good back rubs, too. In a boot camp of drudgery, she infused such positive energy Pablo appreciated, but often wondered what antidepressant was she on, or was it lithium? It's it's so funny, too, because if that was the one introduction of Harper, and then for the rest of the book, she was just this, like, perky, helpful, like, assistant producer, you'd be like, okay, that's a fun little character, right? Yeah, or if there was any kind of arc where, you know, that was the first description. And then it was like, Pablo Michaels really underestimated Harper or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Or just like, or one one time her fanny pack saved the day or something, (laughs) you know. Also, a fanny pack for a producer is a very helpful device. He, in that same paragraph earlier, says he wants to strangle her. I also love that in that whole description, there's still a big F you to to Joe Vogg. She was the least fashionable, except for Vong, of course, the worst person. That's not true because Ken Vong is always described as like in a black turtleneck. But this isn't Ken Mock. This is Joe Vong. <laughs> All right, moving on from Harper to number six is maybe one the of our- most important topics we're going to discuss today. The most important to me, anyway. <laughs> number six, we had to go away from Sexy Watch mm-hmm. and start 
steady cam watch. The first time this happened, you can sort of, there's a world in which I can see someone being like, I want to explain how television works to the people who haven't Mm -hmm. been there. Yes. So I'm going to describe names of cameras and jobs that people do that you might not know about in an effort to describe what a behind the scenes moment is like in the making of something we all take in like i get it especially if you're someone who isn't in the industry i yes fascinating steady cams <laughs> and their operators are mentioned 18 times 18 times i'm shocked it's that low actually after yeah, it reading felt this like book. it was every other page <laughs> Because when they're actually filming, that's like, you know, the parts where nothing is getting filmed, they don't get mentioned. But every time something is filmed, gotta shout out the Steadicam operators. Get it, OTF. It also feels like Jay Manuel didn't know what things were called. And he's proving that he knows what they called, but does it in the clunkiest way. See, I have a different theory. I think that Jay Manuel has one really geeky thing about himself, and it's that he just loves a steady cam. <laughs> and he's just like truly, like in another life, he was a steady cam op. Maybe, because he loves talking about him. It's the most versatile camera. Y'all, if you haven't read the book, it sounds like we're like just taking a piss out of a, a couple of like 18 apparently mentions in a big old book, but it feels like they're mentioned every other page. It oh my is God. so often. And also, once you have the first mention of them, that should be enough. And then you just say yeah, like... He mentions them and says how they work. And and in that moment, I was like, oh, this is nice. That's interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. okay. I think he mentions it like the first season. So it's like him yes. learning about this stuff too. Absolutely. What a great arc for the character in a character that has no arcs ever. <laughs> no. <laughs> but then the book is 90% done and we get a steady cam pushed in close to capture a single tear falling down Nicole's porcelain face. Not a camera. <laughs> Steadicam. It's just such a weird specific. They got to be mobile. They got to be versatile. And it's not any not any other part of production gets oh. the shout outs that the Steadicam does. And you think that the Steadicam operator would get a full name like producer Harper and Rachel. No, 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 no. We only ever know him by Bill. Well, Bill's the director of photography, I think. Oh, is he? Yeah, we don't, Steadicam Ops are just Steadicam Ops. (laughs) They don't need a name because they've got the most important piece of equipment strapped around them. (laughs) He just calls them Steadicam. Yeah, Bill is the director of photography who has a wild subplot that we'll get to. (laughs) And then also just the most likable person on set. I do kind of like this detail because this is kind of just like true on film sets is the sound guy is like everyone's buddy. Everyone has to get like weirdly intimate with the sound guys. And so he has to be friendly and nice and comfortable for everybody. But his name is Mike. Mike the Mike guy. Mike the Mike guy. Mike also doesn't get a last name. He doesn't need one. I don't think he has one. He's Mike. He's microphone. His name actually isn't Mike. It's microphone. <laughs> it's microphone. <laughs> I mean, at a certain point, it seems like the steady cams move on their own. <laughs> Followed by two steady cams, Keisha and the judges walk through the lush decor of the downstairs bar. Oh, it's the ghosts of the steady cams. <laughs> I was obsessed. I don't know. Maybe it's just us. I mean, we are taking the piss, but I I just loved it so and then, much. And then directly after the main two steady cams, the fat steady cam came behind them. <laughs> Wearing <laughs> baggy jeans and their tape all over the place. That steady cam will never make it in the world of fashion. Go back to officers where you belong. <laughs> 
right, number seven is one that's a little bit more of a meta-textual thing. Yeah, yeah. Pablo, and we have an article that kind of like Confirms. says more about this. Number seven is, weirdly, Pablo never refers to himself as gay or queer or whatever, nor has a romantic subplot, which for these types of books seems very odd. Like, yes. it's a fantasy wish fulfillment book, and there isn't even, like, a romance. Truly, except for Keisha Cash cheating on every boyfriend she's ever had. Yeah. Like, there's no healthy romantic relationships in this book at all that there's I remember. barely any relationships in this book. Yeah. Because the only people we know that have a relationship are Miss Thing gets it. Like, Miss, Miss Thing fucks, apparently. Yeah, hooks up. Mason Hughes is married to a woman. Oh, mm, a woman? Mm. Well, that's where a bunch of the transphobia comes in from Miss Thing. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to talk about that so much. No. Just say that they're, Miss Thing is very transphobic as a character. No one else is described in a relationship. Nor a friendship, usually. But, like, in a relationship at all. No. This article on Jezebel, it's really interesting uh, because it points out some facts that I don't think Mr. J realizes, J. Manuel realizes, because he's like, oh, I've always been out. It's like, you might have always been out, but you've never spoken about it. You've never shown it, right? And you like him saying like, oh, I've been very open about being um, black, but yet he hasn't. And I remember learning that he was black and being like, oh, that's interesting. Never knew that. Never discussed. Mm-hmm. And I think Pablo suffers the same thing. Like, he doesn't feel the need to write that he is gay because he's just like, oh, well, everyone's going to notice I'm gay. And it's like, sure, that's true. But also, you've then not shaded your character in with any kind of color. And it's just interesting. And again, I don't think that, like, gay characters have to be, like, make that a big part of their deal, especially if you're going to decide not to give them a romantic subplot. It's just surprising because there's so many thick allusions to it, like the phone call with his parents mm-hmm. and some stuff. The about way he him. talks about Bryce, exactly. Yep. Like it's just, it's just interesting when you realize when you're done with the book, when you sit it down, when you dunk your head in the toilet, and you come up for <laughs> air, and you're just like, that's an interesting exclusion from the book. This book's relationship with sex is very similar to its relationship with food, actually, if you think about it, because it's either used as a way to uh, humiliate a character Mm -hmm. that you're sort of supposed to pity, Hmm. or it's used to turn a character into a villain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, a little bit of this stuff comes across a little bit like, hey, Mr. J., have you tried therapy? Doesn't work for everybody. <laughs> Could you? <laughs> Could you? It, it also seems to me, and obviously this is me therapizing, whatever, but that that Jay Manuel has a problem with sex. Like, he's uncomfortable with sex. Which I get. It's gross. But I mean, <laughs> why not fake it for your book? <laughs> for your book, it's total fantasy. Yeah. You could you could have fucked Bryce and had a re- and been married and that's why you keep the show. Or just another character, create a Daniel. Could there be a Daniel for Pablo? Oh, you know what? There is another character with a relationship in the book that we didn't talk about. 
Malachi. Malachi gets married. His roommate. Malachi, a character that gets introduced, <laughs> characterized, <laughs> married off in a straight relationship, and never appears again. <laughs> yeah, it it just seems like it's a a Jay Manuel problem that went into Pablo Michael's identity. In in this book, the only sources of happiness <laughs> are products. Yes. And views. Yes. Views of the city. Well, I mean, where's the lie? <laughs> now, <laughs> going in, this is a great just segue to number eight because this book has an obsession with race because every character that's non white will only be referred to by their race over and over. The amount of times that Joe Vaughn is described as Korean is astounding it'll be out of nowhere it's like one of those sentences where it's like and there that little korean man was joe vong running along and you're just like why add that i feel like the weirdest one and really proves how why this is such a weird point that we're bringing up is jay or pablo's doorman sean is referenced as scottish for no reason i forgot about sean <laughs> but like everyone is always introduced except for like a few characters as the black producer blank the latina luciana every time they talk about luciana it made me so uncomfortable it's as if it's as if there he doesn't know another way to kind of cue the reader into what the physical appearance of someone might be like. And he also thinks that once he mentions a race, he's done. Yes, like the the new makeup artist that's in there for one second and leaves. Pamela with two L's, who I Pam. love. <laughs> <laughs> who That's her whole character, though. It's one of those things where he'll show a behind-the-scenes discu- like casting discussion for Model Muse, and they're like, we need four black women, three dark women, and one mocha. And you're like, wow, the world of reality television is gross. And I'm sure stuff like that actually happened. Sure. Except then the book also does that. that. That's the thing. If it was just when it was the reality television stuff and Pablo as a character was like, wow, that was really blunt, but I guess this is the world of reality television and we're just trying to like, you know, skip the BS and get right to what we're all really thinking or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then I he's like, like, yeah, that seems realistic in a horrifying way. I love, I love that insight. But then, but then that, sculpted, does it. that sculpted Brazilian man I saw in the street, like, why does he need to be Brazilian? <laughs> it's so odd. It goes into back to Pablo Michael's relationship and Jay Michael's relationship with his own race because the character just like jay manuel was adopted and biracial but maybe was raised by a latinx family that's not really talked about like the important the things that you want to know more about when it talks about race he ignores the things that might actually in some way inform something about the character yeah Mm-hmm. They, they shy away from but when it's just like to describe why someone's hot or not race is on the table yeah uh, it's really odd and it's again all the things we're bringing up these aren't like one-off moments no everything's a steady cam of a thing that just gets that just gets pushed over and over again talking about pushing over and over again we have to okay i'm gonna say right now for this one y'all y'all for number nine trigger warning oh my god sexual assault just 
skip a couple of minutes, honestly, if you don't want to, because I feel like we have to talk about the scene in the book because it's such a big plot point. Yeah, that recurs in a way that you don't think it's going to four different times. So before we get into the sexual assault, I would want I want to say that there is constant sexual harassment happening in almost every chapter by every character to every other person. Mike gets sexually harassed. Dick pics get sent to Pablo. We're constantly like reflecting on uh, people's looks out loud. Bill, the director of photography has a sexual relationship with a contestant. Christina Hendricks, who isn't even on the show, gets sexually harassed. (laughs) That's so true. That's so What did Christina Hendricks do to you? And again, it feels like in some ways, Jay is an author. If I'm being the most generous version of myself with all those references is trying to show how toxic of an environment the reality TV world can be. However, the problem is, is not only does the author also participate in it as the narrator, but also, because again, this is not written in first person. This is written in third person. So you're not necessarily always getting Pablo's insights. You're getting what the author thinks yeah. is true, is happening. And it's just, it's, it's it, no one really gets any like comeuppance about it. It's, well, this exactly, is, it's all super cash. A lot of yeah. the inconsistency in this book is funny. Like a, a lot of the shifting perspectives, it's like, it's sort of fun to keep track of. It'll make you crazy, but it's, yes. it'll give you a laugh. Inconsistency when it comes to sexual assault is so damaging. When you choose to portray something and then that piece of work changes its perspective on something that is so harmful and that happens with such frequency, it comes off really badly. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. This is too serious of a topic, and the scene we're about to talk about is too serious for Jay to have handled yeah. as an author. Like, here's the thing. I think that those narratives are important because Agreed. it might open people's eyes to things that happen in real life. Absolutely. But Jay's not equipped for this. So the scene is Mason, the Nigel stand-in, goes into a dressing room trailer area that Pablo is alone in and just basically tackles him well, to the ground. He first slaps Pablo's nipples, which I didn't realize you could do. I mean, you could... How long are the, they? Slap that nip. <laughs> and then he presses his, quote, hard and ribbed erection against him and then says that, quote, this is what br- you little brown boys like, isn't it? And y'all... Does he say little brown boys, Alex? Yes. 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 I have I repressed up, this. It I've comes up again this. later. But the the description of this sexual assault, you cannot be ready for because it also comes out of nowhere. We've just talked about uh, Keisha's dick date. Well, and also there, he's been dropping hints that like, is Mason flirting with me? Oh, I guess he's friendly. And you think, oh, maybe this is going to be the romance subplot, mm-hmm. right? You think it's going to be like cute. And then, yeah. but they, there's so little lead up to it. And then this happens. The Pablo character gets him off of him, runs away, gets into a car. And then it becomes this thing where Pablo goes to Keisha, tells her what happens. They have the world's worst Me Too conversation. And Keisha does nothing about it and does not want to help and says, deal with it. Mm -hmm. He also, in the same chapter, when he tells Keisha, says that her uh, her purple velvet fainting couch that looked more like an oversized dildo. That is what is said after the sexual assault scene. 
what does this couch look like? Why does her couch look like a dildo? And why mention it then and describe it in sexual terms in like a silly, funny way right after your sexual assault scene? It's the inconsistency that Hannah's talking about, right? It's like stuff like that where like, oh, sex is funny and cool. But you just had this devastating scene that like... Ugh. this weird wish fulfillment because you don't know what's real right so it's like did this sexual assault happen and you didn't do anything about it because in the book he like shoves him away and is real masculine about it pablo becomes a different character right so you're going oh did something like this happen to jay and this is how he wish he handled it or is th- there's also something like he's turned on kind of by it there's like weirdly there's zero nuance but there's also zero like concreteness about this scene that is just well (sighs) and at at first it's definitely traumatic Mm -hmm. i would say it's described with traumatic language yes very much pablo leaves traumatized and then 18 million subplots later this comes back after not having been mentioned at all like at all pablo continues to work with mason hughes this doesn't get mentioned whatever whatever and then it comes back in such a way that it leads to Pablo getting a better job, basically. Yeah. And also he's like, I don't want to talk about it. And in the book, the character says, now, it was a harmless pass, a fumble on Mason's part. The real lesson learned is that Keisha was terrible. Not that you were assaulted by someone. Or that someone. the assaulter is terrible. And again... That kind of sentence that you just said, if Mason had, like, kissed him unexpectedly, mm-hmm. yes. you could be, like, grabbed yes, him could... even. Even just, like, a he went for his dick. And, like, <laughs> no, what, I'm, no, what I'm saying, though, I'm not saying that's okay. I'm not saying that's okay. It could have been more sexualized, but still not could clearly have been, a, been assault. It could have been a pass, right? He made a pass at him. Yes. I'm not saying that's good, but he made a pass at him. He literally almost sticks it inside of him in the assault. Like it is, there is no, there is no um, subtlety about this. Subtlety or it's very cut and dry. He was going to rape him. And and once again, there there are so many valuable stories being told right now about structures of power within media and how things yeah. go reported and unprosecuted and um, people who have been made to be victim, victims of sexual assault are left out to dry by existing power structures, by television networks, by producers. Like, all of that is a very valuable story worth telling that Mr. J clearly has no capacity to tell. That's the whole thing. This whole thing, after all this, all right, mm-hmm. if you're just joining us now, you've skipped ahead. And honestly, <laughs> you should have. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing is, these serious topics are not what you expect this book is going to be. <laughs> nope. And also, the author is just not equipped to handle them. And it ruins what could have just been... Because most of this book, truly, is just fun, stupid trash. Yes. It's a breezy read. And when you get to these moments that are so clunky and mishandled and heavy, it's, 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 it's a... You get a whiplash. Like, it's so... This is chapter nine of this book, y'all. Yeah. Of a million. (laughs) There's so many chapters. I think it's like 32 or something. Let's talk about something fun to end this one. Okay. Because right. <laughs> we get introduced throughout the many, there's like six seasons. We kind of get the start of a seventh one on Model Muse. But number 10 in our bizarre things in this book are the Model Muse contestants who don't have exact counterparts to top no. model contestants. A lot of times they're like an amalgamation 
of two or three people. But also at the same time, Jay as an author uses mostly real contestant names that have nothing to do with the character. Like Hannah is a character. Uh The first winner of Model Muse is Adriana. (laughs) (laughs) Winner Adriana. (laughs) There's a Heather that has nothing to do with the Heather that we know from Cycle 9 that we're about to talk about. That I can tell. Yeah, there's a Nicole spelled with an H. So different. And it's a little bit, I think, supposed to be redheaded petite cycle, Nicole. But also, she was never shaved bald. And I don't remember a storyline with her mother. There's a Kayla. There's, who has a whole plot. There's, I don't think there's actually... I, can, I guess Beth, even though she's clearly supposed to be Cycle 10 Whitney. Well, there's think- also a contestant in the second season who hooks up with a model while with a male model <gasps> while abroad <gasps> named Mandy. Who could that be? And what's so funny is that remember how in Cycle 2, when Shandy talked to Tyra and the other girls about this, and Tyra was so like, had a pretty good conversation about this. Keisha slut shames her and makes her her family (laughs) and everyone. Like it's, it's just like the the one thing that's interesting with the top model contestants is that at least what we're shown, Keisha's awful to them all the time, always while everyone else is pretty like nice enough to them. Yeah. And the other weird thing is that the contestants are equally contemptuous of Keisha. Yeah. You have a lot of things where they're like, we were listening into the cameras when they, because one thing like Pablo and Keisha Cash do is they listen, sometimes like get together at Keisha's place, eat ice cream and look Watch at the, the live feed, which <laughs> as a Big Brother fan, I stand. But yes, we do. I, yeah. But we fully have a sex scene. We see a full sex scene of Mandy and the male model. It's It's fascinating how they treat the models and the model's relationship to Keisha, which he gives the model contestants a lot of credit normally that they understand they're on the show. They don't really like that they're on the show. And Nicole specifically as a character is seen to shown to be very like reality TV savvy because anytime Keisha and the model muse show try to like trick her, she's always ready to like spin it back in her favor. It's very interesting because it makes you feel like Jay Manuel really truly loved the contestants. Yeah. Yeah. Except Uh, when he says that they squealed like pigs. Or they're plus size. Or they're plus size. (laughs) The two worst things you can do as a contestant, be heavy and have a voice. (laughs) (laughs) Worst two things. Worst two things so that was our first 10 things about this book we're going to stop it right here and we're going to release a part two and oh in part two we're going to be talking about the titular wig we're going to be talking about the book review of Keisha Cash's (laughs) fiction novel meta part about this whole book we're going to be talking about an entire chapter that just takes place with all new characters in prison (laughs) Uh, and you know, if you have if you've read this book or you have thoughts, you should uh, reach out to us anywhere. You can find me at Yet Charming. I'm mostly on Instagram at Hannah Jane Ginsburg. And I'm on Twitter at JW Crump. And be sure to use the hashtag Podleadum. We'll even do a hashtag The Meltdown. Throw that in. Yeah. Hashtag Steadicams. <laughs> hashtag Steadicams. Hashtag Steadicams. Hashtag Steadicams. <laughs> And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast if you don't already. Hey, I just found out that Stitcher allows you to write reviews. We Ooh. need some Stitcher reviews. If you're a Stitch, Stitch bitch, 
you should leave leave a comment there as they're called for sure yeah everybody knows that everybody knows that i'll say this too um as a gratefulness at the time of this recording we have 92 reviews on itunes and i think that like literally makes us officially the top rated top model podcast which is so nice it's so lovely it's so nice i want 100 but 92 is (laughs) great And we're also coming up soon on our 100th episode. So maybe those can coincide. So for Podlatum, I've been Alexander Price. I'll be Hannah Jane Ginsburg. And I'm J.W. Crump. And we'll see you on top. Podlatum is not endorsed by America's Next Top Model, Tyra Banks, 10 by 10 Entertainment, or any of their subsidiaries. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. America's Next Top Model and all names, pictures, and audio clips are registered trademarks and copyrights of their respective trademark and copyright holders.